0: I would describe myself as someone with beautifully pigmented brown skin. And my family members are all sort of different colors of the rainbow, with my dad having deeper pigment and my mom having much less. But when I was a kid, we never talked about sunscreen. That was just not part of our lives. These days, my kids hear about it nonstop. But that doesn't mean that it doesn't stop them from fighting me about taking the time to actually put it on and that's true for a lot of people we know it's important but there are so many options and so many questions chemical versus mineral what's the safest how should i put it on when should i put it on under my makeup over my makeup And don't I need some sun exposure for vitamin D production? I'm Dr. Neha Bhattat, and this is Health Discovered, a podcast by WebMD. So basically, we all know that sunscreen is an important part of a full-on sun protection strategy. It's not the only thing, but it is a major part of what keeps us safe when we're in the sun. And it does two major things. It decreases our risk for skin cancer in the long run, but it also helps us to prevent early skin aging, wrinkles, sagging, age spots, things like that. Dr. Laurel Garrity is here today to help answer all of my burning sunscreen questions. She's a Stanford trained dermatologist, former editor for Allure and Glamour magazine and she blogs for us here at WebMD.
1: Sunscreen is such an important tool for us because skin cancer is the most common type of cancer in our country. You add up every type of cancer there is together and skin cancer is still more common, more prevalent than all the other types combined. Protecting from sunshine is our most powerful way to lower our risk. It's been estimated, depending on the type of skin cancer in the situation, roughly 90 percent of all skin cancers are a direct result of the ultraviolet light exposure that we receive throughout our lives. So that's a huge risk factor. If we can reduce the amount of UV exposure that our skin is receiving through sun protection methods, that's going to lower our risk very significantly against the common types of skin cancer, including carcinoma, but also melanoma, which can be more of a health threat. So when sunscreen works in some different ways, there are different types, but in general, it's applied to the skin and it either reflects light off the surface of the skin to help from that to help prevent that ultraviolet light from being absorbed by the skin and damaging those skin cells. Or it might absorb some of the ultraviolet light to prevent the ultraviolet light from damaging our skin cells. But UV light, whether it's from the sun or from indoor tanning, does have the ability to penetrate our skin cells, causing DNA damage and changing our risk for skin cancer. So later, they'll have some you know, mutations that could go wrong and a skin cancer will start forming or could start forming. So the more we can be consistent in our sun protective habits, the better off we'll be throughout our lives. And there are a lot of misconceptions about skin cancer and about sun protection and the importance of sunscreen. I'm sure we'll touch on many of those today. Um, but one of them is that you know really anyone can get skin cancer. It doesn't matter your skin type or your age, it can affect everyone. And it is empowering that we ha- if with the use of sun protective methods, including a broad spectrum SPF 30 plus sunscreen, can significantly lower our risk for skin
0: cancer. So there's so much to unpack there. So I'd like to start off with broad spectrum. So I think a lot of people are confused or don't really understand UVA, UVB, and and what do we mean by broad spectrum? So let's start there, if you could help us define some of those terms.
1: Absolutely. So broad spectrum means that a sunscreen is going to protect not only against the burning rays, which are UVB light, those really high-intensity summer, middle-of-the-day rays, but it will also protect against the gentler ultraviolet A light (UVA light). UVA light is out every day of our lives. A significant percentage, 68 to 80 percent, can come right through the clouds on a cloudy winter day, even. So we're sustaining ultraviolet A damage every day of our lives throughout. You know, whether it's morning or evening or afternoon, winter, summer, whatever it may be. Whereas ultraviolet B light is really that intense, summary rays that can burn the skin or is more likely to burn the skin. So broad spectrum means it's not the sunscreen is not only protecting against ultraviolet B but ultraviolet A as well and that's the tricky part because SPF only refers to the protection against UVB the burning rays so an SPF Of 50 or an SPF of 100 may not be giving you very good protection against ultraviolet A. So it really only refers to the UVB protection. So we really need both in order to keep our skin healthy and protected. So the word broad spectrum implies that that sunscreen is going to offer protection against both types of the sun's rays that will reach us here on the skin surface. Pilots are even subjected to UVC light, which is super high energy, but that doesn't tend to reach us down here on planet Earth so much.
0: Interesting. So, and then I'd love to talk about SPF. So SPF 30 or above. And does it matter if it's SPF 100 or 50, if once you're kind of at that 30 level, if it's broad spectrum as well, as you mentioned?
1: Absolutely. So the American Academy of Dermatology and most dermatologists do recommend an SPF 30 or higher as kind of a baseline to use every day throughout the year. We know that if we're putting that on our skin adequately, we're getting a decent level of protection from the sun. Um, On really hot, summery beach days, those days you might be out at the lake or at the beach or hiking all day, whatever it may be, it, it actually is beneficial to reach for one of the higher SPFs. I usually say SPF 50 or 100 will offer more in those situations. And one of the reasons is when the sun's a little stronger, that little bit of extra UVB protection can make a difference. In a laboratory setting, there may be only a small fraction of a difference between SPF 15 or 30 or 50. In the real world setting, none of us really wear enough sunscreen. If you can imagine how sunscreens are tested in the lab, It's applied to the skin until it looks as white as a sheet of paper or like Casper the Friendly Ghost. So the sunscreens, when they test them, they want that high SPF rating. So they cake it on to get that SPF 30 or that SPF 50 rating. None of us wear sunscreen like that in the real world. Most of us might wear one third of the recommended amount, maybe one half of the recommended amount at most. So if you're starting with an SPF 30, in reality, maybe you're actually getting an SPF 12 or 15. If you're starting with an SPF 50, maybe you're getting an SPF 20. So those higher SPF numbers really do offer some extra wiggle room and some extra protection against burning or sun damage on those really high-intensity sun days.
0: Well, that's really interesting because especially for my kids— who I often think about because I'm like, ah, I didn't do a lot of these things growing up, but I will break the cycle with them. I promise. Um, And so I, you know, the attempt is always made, I promise, to sunscreen them up. Um, We have a lot of melanin. um, So even, you know, growing up, my parents were sort of like, oh, I I don't understand. What is the sunscreen? That's not for us. Not for people like us, but, you know, clearly we have a lot of evidence that it's for everybody, as you said. So I'm trying to do it. So how much is enough? Like, what should you look like? Should you look like a sheet of white paper when you're done applying? I certainly hope not, because
1: then none of us will do it, right? (laughs) You know, some sunscreens feel like we're applying Elmer's glue to our skin, and that is not pleasant. And there was a funny social media post a couple of years ago about how, you know, I have kids too, but applying sunscreen to a child is like wrestling an alligator, right? So as parents, we know that struggle is real because kids don't like it. None of us really love sunscreen. Well, maybe myself included, because I know it does so much good for the skin. But um, it is important for all skin types to try to do our best with sunscreen on a regular basis. When I speak with my pediatric patients in my dermatology clinic, the kids, I'm like, hey, what happens if you don't brush your teeth every day? And they all know they get cavities. And I try to relate to them that, you know, our skin is the same way. It requires everyday care to keep it healthy through time. And that means getting a hat on. It means getting the the sunscreen on, especially during those really strong Sun hours of the day between 10 a.m. and 2 p.m. So it is an important habit. So, and with kids, it's like, which sunscreen is gonna, are they gonna fight us the least on? So my kids know, hey, if they're at school, get the hat on at the very least if they don't have a chance to reapply, because we can't really rely on kids to be so good about that. But they know they've got to get it on their ears and their neck and their face and their forearms, those exposed areas, before they go outside. So if we can teach them these healthy habits early on, like you're saying, we can break the cycle of skin cancer being so common in our country.
0: I love that. What is your private phone number so I can have my kids call you and you can give them? <laughs> this?
1: <laughs> I'd be happy to <laughs> nag them for you. <laughs> Sometimes we have to hear it from another place other than our own mom
0: <laughs> or dad, right? <laughs> I love the, the uh, toothbrushing example. I will use that. I'll try that first before we bother you.
1: And we pick our battles, right? If it's 6 p.m. and it's summer evening, and we know they're not going to get burned. And your kids, if they have melanin-rich skin like you do, they're probably going to do fine. It's not sun is not our enemy. We should enjoy our lives. We should do the activities that we love to do. We don't need to live like vampires, and no one's suggesting that. But given that we know ultraviolet light damages the skin, and it's not just skin cancer risk, it's so many other ways of damage as well that we'll talk about. But It is such an important step for our cutaneous health. So the more we can lower our risk while enjoying the activities that we love to do, the better off we will
0: be. One quick thing about reapplying sunscreen. So what's the general rule of thumb for how often we should be doing that?
1: Absolutely. So reapplication in general should be every two hours. We all wish there was a sunscreen that lasted all day. It just does not exist. In reality, we can expect sunscreen to last about two hours. If we've been swimming or sweating, however, it's going to break down sooner or faster. If we can reach for a water-resistant or very water-resistant sunscreen, we might get 40 minutes or 80 minutes. After that point, we can't trust the sunscreen to keep going because light, heat, air, water, sweat, they can all break down and degrade the sunscreen on our skin so it stops working. And earlier you asked how much is enough. For the whole body, the amount, one ounce, the, the amount that goes into a shot glass, that is what is typically recommended to cover the skin surface if we're putting sunscreen everywhere. For the face, it might be about a teaspoon, maybe a little bit more, a little bit less, depending how big our head is and whether we're counting our ears or neck or scalp as part of that. But those are some general guidelines. But the reapplication step is so important. And I find that's where a lot of patients or people run into trouble with surprise sunburns or damage they were not expecting. They were just 15 minutes too late in getting that sunscreen back on.
0: Wow. Okay. That is super helpful. And then in terms of other types of concerns beyond skin cancer. So a lot of my patients will come concerned about wrinkles um, and other sort of cosmetic things. Can you talk a little bit about just the other risks in general and then specifically about wrinkle prevention?
1: So the skin cancer risk, with sun exposure is critical, so that's what we talk about a lot, as you were saying, in medical school. But the skin aging that comes from the sun is so profound. About 90% of our skin aging is directly attributable to the amount of ultraviolet light that we receive throughout our lifetime. So that's huge. I mean, ultraviolet light, whether it's UVA or UVB, is damaging our skin cells. It's penetrating deeply to cause sagging, wrinkling, spotting, dispigmentation, it has so many effects on making our skin look older. So if we're out in the sun all the time, it's it's a fast track to aging. So if we can be really consistent with sun protection, that is going to keep our skin more youthful. Back when I was in my 20s, I would be laying out there in the sun, I used to go to tanning beds, I did all terrible things that make Mm. me cringe now. (laughs) I think my skin is a lot healthier now that I'm in my 40s, given that I'm taking care of it better. I'm not subjecting it to all that everyday exposure that contributes to wrinkles and spots and damage and dispigmentation. So if we're consistent with sun protection, it can help with signs of age a great deal. I often think you might have learned or seen in in med school or in your practice, Smokers, when they stop if they've been smoking for 20 years and they stop, you check their x-rays five years later, their lungs clear by a significant amount. Because our body really can heal itself. And I think to a certain degree, the skin is the same way. If we stopped abusing our skin with sun or with tanning beds, it really does have an opportunity to heal. So if we it's never too late, we can get on board with consistent sun protection and do so much to help our skin repair itself, heal itself, look better, healthier, and younger.
0: I love that. That is such a, it, it's such a message of hope because I think that that, I, that was what I was going to ask you with regard to smoking, where you can see some reversal. So to be able to kind of provide that message that some of this can be reversed or just protecting your skin, you can start anytime. It's never too late to start protecting your skin.
1: Right. And on that note, indoor tanning does cause more skin cancers every year than smoking causes lung cancer. That's how big of a deal indoor tanning is. So it's one of the most dangerous things that you can do for your skin. So I recommend against it entirely.
0: It's so important to make that message very, very loud and clear to people, especially younger kids, because I think that there was a big message about indoor tanning and how dangerous that was you know, a couple of decades ago, maybe, like maybe one or two decades ago. And now the kids just haven't heard that message as loudly. And we're being more sort of, we're, we're spending more time thinking about how hot it is outside these days because the climate is changing. So I think people may be more scared to go outside. So they feel like they have some control over the tanning bed. So to really get that message out there that That is incredibly dangerous, not a safe way of, of healthy, you know, getting a healthy glow. And the
1: notion of a base tan is still out there. A lot A physician I was seeing yesterday said, Hey, I'm going to the South Pacific. I'm going to be doing lots of snorkeling and scuba diving. Shouldn't I be going to tanning beds first? So I don't burn. And I was like, no, no, no. That's like saying, I'm going to smoke a pack of cigarettes every day this week so that I don't cough when I smoke cigarettes next week. You know, you have to, you're not going to sustain damage so you can sustain more damage. You should just protect from sunshine. Because tanning beds do raise the risk of melanoma and other forms of skin cancer very significantly. And a base tan is just not a safe way to go about it. It's better to just protect from sunshine. And I do acknowledge, and a lot of us recognize, that tanning is an addictive behavior. It lights up those opioid receptors in the brain when we use tanning beds, just as if we were doing heroin or some illicit drug. And it's a powerful effect. It does have a mood boost and a feel-good effect, but we should find other ways to improve our mood versus damaging our skin and putting ourselves at risk of early aging and skin cancer in order to get that tan.
0: Yeah. And so in terms of just now, you know, this is a long term chemical that we should be applying to our skin over the course of a lifetime. So people are getting much more concerned about what they're putting on their skin, particularly if they're pregnant or nursing or reproductive age. So what do you say in terms of the safety of some of these products? Should we be choosing some preferentially over others? Yeah, so
1: these are great questions and we have a lot of exploration ongoing right now. There are lots of new studies coming out, so we are watching those with great interest so we can better understand some of the great questions that you're asking here's what we know right now. We know that sunscreen used consistently in the right way has proof of benefit. We know it lowers the risk of skin cancers and skin aging. So those are proven benefits. There's no proof of harm with sunscreen so far. So we know it can offer a benefit. We don't have proof that it's going to offer harm. But there are a lot of questions, like you're saying, what does this mean if I'm applying chemicals over my skin every day of my life for all eternity? So There are two sunscreens. They are called the mineral sunscreens or the physical sunscreens. Those are the ingredients zinc oxide and titanium dioxide crushed up minerals. By applying those to the surface of the skin, they reflect off ultraviolet light to protect us. So it's not chemical activity. It's a physical block of the sunscreen or a physical screen. So those, by the according to the FDA, are considered safe and gentle and effective. So those are not undergoing any particular scrutiny or study at this moment because they're considered so gentle. So for kids, for example, for pregnant women, for anyone with concerns about the idea of chemicals on the skin, go to a physical sunscreen. Go to one of those ones with titanium titanium dioxide or zinc oxide, because we just don't have any of those significant questions or concerns about their, their safety. And we know they work.
0: Can those be broad spectrum as
1: well? Yes, they can. They can. And the chemical sunscreens is the other larger category of sunscreen ingredients that are available. And those absorb the energy versus reflecting it off the skin surface. So those are the ones that people think about as, quote, chemicals. And they're different ones. Some of them are more likely to cause allergies. Some of them may have more safety questions with regard to their absorption or potential absorption into the skin or effects on the environment, particularly the coral reefs. So these are all areas that we are interested in and watching with interest. So those you may or may not choose To use. On the whole, those tend to, the chemical sunscreens tend to be more cosmetically elegant. They feel less heavy on the skin. They're easier to blend. They make us a little less miserable than some of the physical blockers or mineral blockers can do. So um, I think it is important to find one that feels good to us, that um, doesn't cause allergies or reactions that we don't hate using. And we're fortunate, we live in a time where there are hundreds of sunscreen options. So each person can talk with their dermatologist, talk with their physician, say, hey, is there anything in particular I should be thinking about? But from the dermatologist perspective, we think that any sunscreen that you're consistent with using that's SPF 30 or higher in broad spectrum is a good
0: idea. That's great. And and that's great to kind of know as just the every person who's at risk. In terms of some people who are at higher risk because of less pigment in the skin or, you know, my daughter, as you were talking, I was thinking, my daughter, we are more pigmented, but she has eczema. So she has these patches that are very much hypopigmented. And during the summer, you can kind of tell where we applied it well and where we didn't because that patch will become prominently you know, like whiter against her sort of darker skin that has tanned. So, what do we know about people at higher risk? Is this just sort of the same recommendation across the board, or do they need to be more more careful?
1: Yeah, so I think for those of us with eczema or sensitive skin, rosacea, or really fair skin types, um, using the physical sunscreens, they're just a bit gentler. They're going to offer broad-spectrum sun sun protection, help to minimize what you're describing, where the sun sort of highlights all the areas where eczema has been. It tans the surrounding skin and doesn't tan the area that's dealt with rash so much. So to help keep skin tone really even and healthy, just aside from the eczema, we want to use sunscreen, of course. But yeah, those those mineral or physical-based sunscreens are a good choice for those of us with sensitive skin just to help protect but be more gentle, be less likely to cause allergies or irritation.
0: I'm putting all of this in my personal toolkit so I appreciate you.
1: And there there are tinted sunscreens available too. There're a lot of, you know, I find if you were going to go to a store and pick out a foundation, you would have 30 or more shades to perfectly color match to your individual complexion. I always wish sunscreen was that way. Usually with a particular brand, you might get one or two shades at most if they're putting some tint in it. But those tinted sunscreens have a real role. For a lot of us, um, certainly anyone who's dealing with pigmentary change from eczema, from acne, from a condition called melasma, where you get mottled dispigmentation on the facial skin, anyone who's trying to even out pigment, the tinted sunscreens can go a step beyond just SPF and broad spectrum protection. The reason is there's an inactive ingredient called iron oxide that helps guard against those other wavelengths of light, like infrared light, and to help the skin tone stay even more even. And tinted sunscreens are nice because they might take a little less rubbing in for those of us with melanin-rich skin. We might not look so chalky white. They might be easier to blend. So if we can find a little tint that goes on easily and we don't have to rub and scrub it in and t- so that we don't look chalky white, that's a win.
0: You are so right. We just discovered this. So my daughter and I are super excited. Whenever she goes for now in the morning, she's like, oh, where's my tinted sunscreen? I want that one. I'm like, oh, okay, good. Yeah, they definitely have
1: a great role, especially for those of us with melanin-rich skin
0: what about the sprays versus the sort of the slather on options? Is there... I'm always nervous about using the sprays. Should I be? You know, sprays are
1: one of the most popular types of sunscreen in our country. And the reason people like to use them is because they're so lightweight. You spray them on and they dry instantly and they feel invisible and light on the skin. So they're not going to weigh us down. So they're very popular for that reason. So if you apply a spray... I recommend doing it outdoors in a nice aerated area. We don't. There's no study to show. Hey, what does it mean to kind of inhale this aerosol spray? We have no evidence of harm, but it's a question. If you had asthma or something, you you know might not want to be spraying that in a closed space. So I think it makes just common sense if you're going to apply a spray sunscreen to do that outside in an aerated area. And there are pitfalls with spray sunscreen. So it's easy to miss spots. It's easy to have kind of a streaky look. So if you're spraying it on, you really have to get enough on. And then you have to make sure you're spreading it around the surface of the skin carefully. But with, with the sprays, those are the ones where we see those goofy, streaky sunburns and weird you know, mm-hmm. patterns mm-hmm. from sunshine on missed spots. So I think missed spots are very easy. But spray sunscreens can be effective. They can guard against ultraviolet light damage and sunburns. So I think they are... If that's what you're gonna use because of the feel of it, I think it's okay. You just get it on outside, apply it liberally and often, and make sure you're rubbing it in.
0: Yeah, it is just a pet peeve of mine where the neighbor on the beach is doing it and you just start getting this, you know, it's wafting into your face and down your nose, and it just drives me bananas. So that's that's my personal pet peeve. But yes,
1: the struggle is real there, but
0: <laughs> um, this is this is great. And now just this is the lightning round. So do you put sunscreen on before foundation or after foundation for those of us that are using makeup and other other products in the morning? Before.
1: Most dermatologists apply some form of antioxidant serum like a vitamin C because that guards against cellular damage in another way, followed by our sunscreen, followed by makeup or whatever else we want to be wearing on top. You want to make sure the sunscreen goes on first so it can coat the skin evenly. This is
0: brilliant. Thank you. And what about spray-on tans? self-tanner or
1: spray-on tans, that's the only safe way to get a tan, period. Tan skin, by definition, is damaged skin. So if you're going to a spray-on tan or you're putting on self-tanner yourself, I'm all for it. It it is considered safe. It just stains the skin temporarily. As a fair-skinned person of Norwegian descent and a dermatologist, at a certain point, I said, no, I refuse to put self-tanner on my skin. I'm not going to change the color of my natural skin to try to meet somebody else's aesthetic. But that's my personal protest that we should all- yeah. <laughs> really love the skin that we're in because skin can be beautiful and healthy regardless of skin tone. I don't think any of us should be trying to change our natural skin tone. So I blame Coco Chanel from popularizing the tan many years ago, but don't get me <laughs> started on all of that.
0: No, we're all allowed to have our personal protests as we I've are. already shared mine with you. But it's safe. So spray tan if you will. And then a question about Periods without sunscreen. So to go out and absorb sunlight for vitamin D benefits. So what what do you recommend with regard to, should we just always be lathered up or is there a benefit to having you know a 15 minute period or something where you're going out and just absorbing the light?
1: I think this is a good question for each person to discuss with their primary physician or their dermatologist. If you are like many of my patients who've had five, 10, 20 skin cancers and counting, and I do see a lot of patients like that, I'm gonna say no, not worth it. You need That is not a good way, to, you shouldn't be subjecting your skin to more damage and raising your risk of more skin cancer and skin aging just to try to get vitamin D. Because guess what? If we're vitamin D deficient, we can get that through a supplement or through our diet and that's very safe. Whereas why are we gonna subject our skin to damage in order to get that vitamin or increase our levels? And vitamin D is very variable. Some people might be deficient, if, especially if they have melanin-rich skin or live in cool climates where there's not a lot of ultraviolet B, where some people might be fair-skinned and might make it very readily just through their everyday activities going to the grocery store here and there. We can still make some vitamin D through sunscreen. Um, the question is, is it enough? Are we deficient? What are our risk factors? Where do we live? So it's not, there's no simple answer to it, but In general, I don't think it's good to raise our risk of one problem in trying to address a lab value, or that we we might not even be deficient in vitamin D. So a lot of people say, "Oh, I'm just seeking the sun. I need my vitamin D," and that's kind of a popular idea. But at what cost? So that's something to weigh out with your physicians.
0: Yeah, and like a lot of things, it's really just sort of what is your individual risk, and and there's no better person to talk to about that than your personal health professional. So, anything that I should have asked you. Well, I
1: would say there there's an increasing level of concern about the idea of sunscreens and chemicals on our skin and skin cancer is epidemic. I see 5 to 20 cases of it in my personal practice every day. I see anywhere from some, some weeks it's zero melanomas, but sometimes it's four or five in a week. Skin cancer is a problem. Sun damage is a problem. People come in crying, asking for their spots to be removed. And after tw- 20, 40, 60 years of sun damage, that can be really hard to do. So I just want to emphasize that as far as what we know right now, sunscreen has a proven benefit. If we're consistent with a broad spectrum SPF 30 sunscreen, we will have healthier skin. We do not have proof of harm. We have more questions and more studies that are ongoing. But as of right now, sunscreen is a good step. It's a good thing to do. And it's only one step of the overall picture, right, about sun protection. Like I was saying before, I don't think any of us should live like vampires. I think we should be outside, living our life, doing the things, the activities and things that we like to enjoy without feeling like we need to hide under a cave. However, we can keep our skin healthier if we can reach for a broad-brimmed hat. You know, the bigger the brim, the better. Um, something to protect not only our forehead and our scalp, but our ears and our cheeks and our neck. It helps to look for UPF clothing. It means it's been specially tested and rated to prove it offers a high level of sun protection. And so many brands have that now as a little label. UPF 50 is commonly on clothing. And that takes the work out of sunscreen. If you slip on a little reef shirt or a sun protective cover-up, it means you might not have to reapply that sunscreen that two hours, right? It saves you work and time just to use protective clothing. Or seeking out the shade during those peak hours of sunshine can help. Or maybe choosing to go for that run at 8 a instead of 11 a.m. You know, the sun is less strong earlier and later in the day. So kind of picking and choosing our spots. So sunscreen is only one part of the larger skin health and sun protection equation. So it's an important part because we can't enshroud ourselves in fabric every minute of every day. We're going to be outside and there are going to be areas of our skin that are exposed. So sunscreen is an essential tool, but it's only one of the many tools at our disposal.
0: That makes a lot of sense. If someone's curious about certain types of sunscreens, what may be safer or has been tested? Is there a place that you generally recommend that people go to check that information out?
1: Yeah, there are lots of resources. I've written some posts on the Healthy Skin blog for WebMD about sunscreen. I put some of my personal opinions and recommendations for different skin types on the Healthy Skin blog for WebMD. The American Academy of Dermatology is at aad.org. They have a lot of resources about sunscreen and sun protection. The Skin Cancer Foundation has a lot of resources, and they will often offer a stamp of approval on sunscreens they consider to be very good. So there are a lot of resources out there. I think it's just important to look at the sources that are balancing all the data and research that we have so that we can really make sense of it all and find out what products might be best for us.
0: That's really helpful because I think I definitely get label fatigue where I see a label and it says PUVA and broad spectrum and SPF 50 and, you know, all of these are water resistant and you can use it for three hours without reapplying. And so it's just very confusing. So this is really helpful.
1: Well, I'm glad it's it's always fun chatting about sunscreen. It's there's so much to go over.
0: well, thank you so so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. I as I said, I promise that my kids are in trouble, and I'm in trouble because we're all going to be following these rules very strictly, starting tomorrow.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad to hear it. You know, every one of us, our skin is
0: built to sustain a certain amount of
1: damage. But it's just like, how much can we do before we start to run into trouble? So it's prevention is is much better than trying to fix things later.
0: So I think my biggest takeaways from today are, number one, I am going to make sure that I and my family make time to actually put on sunscreen, um, to do it in the right way, and use the right amount. I'm probably also going to have her call my kids to make sure that they hear it from her and not just from me. And when I'm talking about why it's so important to use sunscreen— I'm not going to just focus on skin cancer risk because I know for my kids, they're probably more thinking about how their skin looks and wrinkles and age spots in the future. So I think for different people, it's a different strategy and a different reason why we're really thinking about putting it on the right way. I really want to thank Dr. Laurel Garrity for explaining all things sunscreen. Check out her work on WebMD's blogs. And if you want to read more about her and the work that she does, check out the show notes. Thanks for listening to Health Discover, a podcast by WebMD. I'm Dr. Neha Bhattuk, Chief Medical Editor of Health and Lifestyle Medicine. And I want you to be happy, healthy, and here for our latest episodes. So follow us on your favorite podcast app. See you next time.